Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. All right, now we out here. Right on. What's going on, guys? <laughs> What's going on, John? I'm Arturo. What's going on, Arturo? Yeah, I'm How doing. You doing? You right? Haven't seen you in a minute. How you been? Good, good, Yeah, good. I'm doing well. I'm happy to see you too. Thank you for doing this. Awesome. Late night for me, but well worth it. I even dressed up and wore my leopard print a little. <laughs> le- <laughs> right on. Should I, should I just intro you and should we just get started? You want to intro me or do you want to intro me? I mean, or do you want me to intro myself? What do you think's better, Arturo? We never did that. Should we just let him intro himself? If you'd like, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah. We out <laughs> here. You're talking to the blunt burning, barefoot running, neck cranking. Kamora snatching son of Odin. And I'm happy to be here on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that well, might have been our best. You'll see tomorrow. Wait, tomorrow <laughs> I'm gonna put up a clip of me cutting that Ric Flair style promo <laughs> with a way better ending. I'll tag Fantastic. you guys. So as you guys can hear, John the Manimal Beneducci has a way with words. He is a black belt under Matt Sarah. He has fought in Bellator, MMA fighter. Now he's trying to help people over 40 learn how to roll and continue to roll. And he's also throwing great events in Long Island called Yo, Token Yeah, you got to come. You guys got to so, come to the Token Choke. The next yes. show is sick. But yeah, great person. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for introing yourself, John. That was awesome. I could have went ham on it, but I figured <laughs> for the first episode we do together, I'll be a little a little conservative. No, but uh, <laughs> great to be here, guys. Yeah, so we got a lot of stuff coming up. The big thing I got coming up now is Token Choke. So that's October 21st in Mineola. You guys got to come through. It's a dope-ass time. You're in Jersey. Uh, right? I'm in Staten Island. Arturo's in San Diego. Oh, you're far out. You're in Staten Island. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were in Jersey. I'm from close Staten enough, Island. Really? But yeah, live in, Jer- live in San Diego. Yeah. I meant for a new close enough Jersey in Staten Island. It's practically yeah. the same thing. Yeah, we're cousins. And Long Island and Staten Island, I think, are cousins, too. Mm -hmm. I think that Long Island and Staten Island should be, like, a unit separate from the city. So, like, Staten Island should go with Long Island, and the city could just keep four boroughs. (laughs) But Brooklyn and Queens are technically geographically part of Long Island, so I always wondered, like, should Long Island snatch that, too? Geographically, Brooklyn and Queens are Long Island. Yes. Yeah. That is true because I consider myself part of Long Island. Manhattan is also part, actually, it's all part of Long Island. Manhattan, Bronx, that's all part of what we would call Long Island. (laughs) Just just absorb everything. (laughs) If you were being, you know, if you were being accurate here geologically. And, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but the highest place on earth is Mount Everest. That's what they say. But the truth is that the highest place on earth is wherever I'm at. (laughs) It'll be at the token joke show. So Uh, guys, I've been working on my promos a lot. Listen, when you, when you're doing something, I'm the promoter. You got to promote what drives me crazy. You know, I've been in MMA for, you know, over two decades and it kills me when guys have a great product and they're not out there promoting the shit out of it. That's the one thing I'll say Dana White does good. He's a good promoter. He's out there like, Trying to promote the fights, usually. 
unless Aljo's fighting someone, then he's only promoting the other guy. But that's <laughs> how you mentioned Aljo. So you train out in Long Island, and you're one of Matt Sarah's first black belts. I wouldn't say first, but I'm a third degree black belt. So I've been training with Matt, like I said, for like 20 something years. I got my black belt when he opened his Huntington Academy. So 2010. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I'm probably in the top, you know, the first 10 or 20 black belts. Matt has a lot of black belts. Now, listen, he's been teaching. So Sarah, you know, if you don't know my instructor, Matt Sarah, he beat George St. Pierre for the welterweight title in 2007 only got a knockout gsp even though he actually is a fantastic jiu-jitsu guy really his jiu-jitsu is on fire still he'll still kick everyone's ass i think matt sarah was henzo gracie's first black belt matt's henzo's first american black belt first american black belt. so when i started i started with matt sarah and Rodrigo gracie they had a school together in the back of a like karate gym you know how they used to do it it would be like you taught jiu-jitsu three nights a week at a karate school when they didn't have class so it would be like a little mix mixed together of classes and then i started going to henzo's in the city and matt sarah was like the day instructor it was matt john danaher uh sean williams Rodrigo gracie and who else Ricardo almeida were the day instructors at henzo's that was like the morning day crew when i started so it was Dang. like the easiest crew i remember danaher was i think Maybe just got his black belt when I started, or was a brown belt, and then Matt and Rodrigo got their black belts on the same day, which was pretty cool. And Rodrigo Gracie, he was a black belt from his dad. Rodrigo's Brazilian, and when he went to Henzo's, he was like, "I'm gonna put the brown belt on. I want to get my black belt from Henzo." Wow, because so, Henzo's is more an MMA style school. His dad Ray Elson is like. Actually, I think really the way you should teach guys, he does like all privates. He gives you like a purple belt in three years. Like he has a system, but it's for like law enforcement guys and like street self-defense. Like when you go and train with competitive jujitsu guys, it's not the same as like a guy who would be decent compared to like a competitive purple belt or a competitive black belt. So if you're like black belt, who's like a chilling black belt, and then you go someplace with it as like competition black belt. You're like, ah, oh, shit, I got to step my game up. So definitely a testament to be able to do that. But yeah, when Matt, when I first started, Matt was killing everybody. The Mundials, I remember him winning the Mundials. And that's like really a good driver for all of us. Like when one guy's going hard like that, you know, the team is still going strong off that. I mean, we have three champs at a law from one gym and those are homegrown guys. No recruiting. So pretty impressive. Wow. Sarah Weidman and Aljo, correct? Those yeah, three? Sarah Weidman, Aljo. And we might have more in the pipeline. Marab looking good. And all three of those had some of the greatest upsets ever, which is interesting too about that, Jim. Like Weidman beating Silva, yeah, right? Like wow. was just miraculous. Aljo beating, I'd say Cejudo's a good one. Second fight against Jan, though. Yeah. Peter yeah. Jan was going to steamroll him. No one thought, I didn't think Aljo was going to win at all. I think no. Arturo did call it, though. Arturo was, like, betting on Aljo. Aljo was, yeah, yeah I, I always said Aljo is way better than people realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you something? They really, the UFC screwed Aljo over in that fight against Sean O'Malley. When in the history of title defenses do you see them make a guy who's defended the title three times in a row have to take a four-month turnaround time yeah. To defend the title. Have to. 
you have to take a four-month turnaround time. Maybe in less than four months. He fought May, June, July, August. Four calendar months. But I bet if we did the weeks, it's not four full months. Yeah, mm. that's why. Camp is eight to 12 weeks at champ camp. So where was the recovery time you give that guy for going five rounds with the previously, arguably, number one pound-for-pound pound guy? Yeah, it is wild. You get it five is rounds with Henry Cejudo, right? You do five rounds with that guy, go fucking tooth and nail with that dude who was fresh. You know, yeah, he didn't fight for three years, but that dude's been training, no injuries, right? Listen, that guy's fresh. Compensate that for a little ring rust, which is a thing. Hmm. And then you got a pretty fucking even fight out there, even though it looked even to me when I watched it in person, when I watched it the next day on video, it wasn't as close as it seemed in person. I don't know why Aljo gets so much hate. The crowd was bloodthirsty against Aljo. It was madness. I was like, and we're in Newark for that Suhudo fight, which was crazy. So, I mean, I'm really grateful, actually. I just want to praise Odin right now. And be grateful. <laughs> I just say it out loud. the The fight life that I've got to be around is pretty impressive. It's been it's been really you know really a fucking joy. So so tell us tell our listeners tell us how you got started with martial arts to begin with. Like what was the impetus? I actually told my origin story the other night on my Token Choke podcast. Oh nice. So along with the show, mm-hmm. with the the challenge right the event, I'm doing a weekly podcast. We just put our first episode up on Token Choke Show. I think we also put it up on YouTube on the Token Choke Show, uh, Token Choke Challenge YouTube. So that podcast, we do it kind of like Hot Wings. We have a sponsor that comes and gives us three different types of weed. <laughs> Sample each one, right? We review it because it's hard in the marketplace to know what you should smoke. So along with the Token Choke Challenge, we do the Token Choke Show. And I actually gave my origin story on that, but I'll mm. I'll give it again. So... I before I started training, I think I started training like my sophomore year of college. I was like a fat manimal, really just say fat John. I was just like a fat nerdy pothead. Like Anoop, you're from New York. I went to Brooklyn Tech. I went to Brooklyn Tech for a year. Yeah. But wow. now, now I know fucking big brains. Yeah. See, you know why I had to shave my head? My fucking brain grew <laughs> right right out and pushed all my hair follicles. That's what happened. So I was fat, nerdy, and a big pothead. But I was always scrappy because I do live in the hood. Mm-hmm. Even though I was fat, right? I always liked I liked MMA. I liked watching it. I really never trained. I failed gym class every single year. Wow. High school. Because to pass tech, they had a standard for everything. So in order to pass gym class, you had to run a mile. And it's not a fast time. It was like 834. But the 265-pound fat John... Wow. Fucking running. And I'm 5'5", so I was 265. I fought at 145 at the Garden. So my last fight for Bellator was at 145. But I'd say my walk around weight is probably somewhere between 170 and 180. Mm -hmm. So I was like 265, big UFC fan. And I used to have a hardware, a family hardware store. And I had this kid, Philippe Nover, who was later on became a UFC fighter. He was on the show. But at the time, I think I was like 19 and Philippe was like 16. And he was working at my store. And one day we're in the stock room, just shooting the shit, talking about fights. And he was like, you know, he was telling me he trains. And I was like, yeah, whatever. He was like, no, nah, I'd kick your ass. Forty. <laughs> I was like, I'll kick your, right, your ass right now, you little fuck. And he's like, no, come to my gym. And it happened to be like up the block from where my store was on top of a movie theater. 
and we had a, it was like an old school Jeet Kune Do gym, but they did everything. They did kickboxing, weapons training. Sifu Ralph Mitchell was an old school Kung Fu guy and ran this place like three nights a week. It was a two and a half hour class. So he's like, come up, tell him you want to spar. I was like, all right. Maybe at this point, I think I had just started losing weight because what started me losing weight first, different than what started me in martial arts. So I probably had lost like maybe 35 pounds. So maybe I was like 230 the first day I went to martial arts. Because, yo, so I'm like 18 or 19. And this is 20 years ago, guys. I'm going to take your listeners back. How old are you, Anu? 38. Okay, so you might remember this. How old are you? 39. Okay. No cell phone cameras. If you wanted to record you and your your spouse banging, you had to get that fucking big camera, took a VHS tape. This was a a production to just do a home (laughs) sex video. If you just want to be like, girl sucking your dick, no. I had to get this. I had to set up the tripod, right? It was a big production. (laughs) So Fat Manimal and his girl are like, yo, we're so hot. Let's fucking videotape ourselves fucking (laughs) <laughs> I remember we set this shit up and, and we're fucking and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is gross. We're like <laughs> fucking hogs. This looks like fucking walrus is fucking out here. I was like, I gotta make my life right. But <laughs> <laughs> so let me get back. So Felipe's like, yo, come up, tell them you want to spa. I was like, all right. So I told the, the the instructor, I was like, yo, I want to spar. I'm friends with Felipe. He's like, oh, you train? I was like, nah, I, I've been a, a scrapper too. He's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Yo, the first half hour of this class, they just do jump rope and calisthenics. So it was like three, five minute rounds of jump rope and then like burpees, push-ups, sit-ups, all this shit. Half hour of this. I'm throwing up already. I never (laughs) before. I'm on the floor falling around. Then they're like, now we hit the pads. All right, hit the pads a little bit. They're like, now we spa. I'm already fucking tired. 30 (laughs) seconds in, I'm, I'm exhausted. This guy, Nardu, he trains with this kid, Randy Brown, who's in the UFC, but whatever. At the time, he was fighting. He was training for stuff, and he sidekicks me, and it was on a hardwood floor, and I fucking slide across the floor. I crawl into the bathroom. I hide out for like five minutes. Oh, man. Come back out, and they're like, now we grapple. I was like, it's <laughs> actually what I wanted. I like grappling. I was like, I actually wanted I always liked grappling. I thought like when I saw, of course, Hoist, but... I'm not going to, I mean, I don't know if it's gay to say, but I remember seeing Ken Shamrock and being like, yo, this guy looks like Jack. And he has some submissions, even though he kind of sucks when I think about it now. <laughs> like when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, like purple belt, like me as a purple belt would have probably beat that dude, you know, but watching it then I was like, oh man, this dude joked. He fucking did an ankle lock. You know, he has decent wrestling. I was like, oh, he looked the part, right? Yeah, and he looked the part. I always loved Hoist, of course, because I was like, that jujitsu shit looks like magic, right? Obviously yep. effective. And we saw grappling, and Philippe catches me in a triangle choke, slap bump. We go again, and I actually catch him in a guillotine choke. Oh shit! Him. And he's like, fuck. All right, we roll again. And time runs out, <laughs> and my instructor instructor's like, where'd you learn that? I was like, I told you, I watch a lot of UFCs. He's like, I can't even deal with you. He's like, what do you want to do? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I think I want to take it all the way. This was really fun. You know? He was like, whatever, you suck. I was like, I can't get any worse. I was like, I can't get worse. This is about as bad as it's going to get. I threw up yeah. like times. Yeah. I'm like, I had speed marks all down my head. <laughs> like knots. Fucking forget my ass kicked. I probably ran away. 
like three times at least and hid in the bathroom. And they're like, no, come on, we're not done. They're like, you're an asshole. You need to get your ass kicked. <laughs> I think I like kicked someone in the nuts by accident. You know, and dude, I'm tired too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, my first day spa, which is good. I'm, I'm happy that that's how I came up. You know, there's two ways you could train an athlete. There's the, the sink or swim way, which is how I came up. It was mm-hmm. like, here you go. Figure it out. You eat, And then you could groom a guy. You could give him increasingly more and more difficult challenges. Mm-hmm. And there's benefits and drawbacks to both, right? So mm-hmm. the guy in the sink or swim, he might take more damage and you might wear that guy out. Whereas he might have, you know, if you groomed him, you know, made it to like a higher level and been a champ or something. But the thing with the guy who sink or swim is you could take that guy anywhere and he's ready to throw down. Yep. Exactly. Sometimes the guy you groom, he can get messed up. Like he, he's like fine machinery. Mm-hmm. Like the sink or swim guy is like a dump truck. He's like the garbage truck. That guy is fucking getting through the situation. You know, it's not the other dude's so, like a Porsche. You know, you so know I, take care of the Porsche. I I love that you already described yourself as a dump truck and you already <laughs> described yourself as a walrus. And I really think that's maybe something we should do where like everybody should just film themselves fucking. And then that would be the impetus of fuck. I got to get in shape. Right. Cause like everybody's <laughs> fucking around and just make them do that. Like it's yeah, a great origin start, story. You know, I was thinking of starting an only fans, but I think that would piss my wife off. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be mostly dudes that buy it anyway. But, yeah. Oh my God. Guys, you That's have the market, the fucking DMS that slide in from guys about my feet. No like, Yo, if I put a, a picture of just like my feet on the beach in the water and I'm like, guys, get your feet in the water. It's like, oh, my God, your feet are so hot. <laughs> I'm like, yo, cash at me 500 bucks and I'll literally put my dick on my foot. <laughs> but I haven't got the cash app yet. So so creepy dudes, if you don't slide into my DM with a cash offer, slide into someone else's DM. <laughs> I wonder how much of the U.S. economy is driven by creepy dudes. Like somebody's need to make like needs to do like an economic study. Has anybody ever DM'd you, Arturo? Like some dude? Yeah, but but I I have a theory that I think the people that are like into that are so like into it, like they just go all the way, like they can't stop. And so even though it's like a not a huge portion of people, they're so like outgoing and outright, and they just like they go hard. I have a formula for hobbies of expense. If something is like a big hobby for you and you're really serious, let's say you're into jujitsu, but you're a hobbyist. You're not a pro. You're a hobbyist. You might spend 10% of your budget on your hobby, especially if it's time consuming, which mm-hmm. everything. let's say you make 70 grand a year. You might spend seven grand on your hobby, yep. clothes, supplements. If you want to do a tournament, travel. Yeah. All right. Here. Well, yeah. Everything, yeah. Let's imagine your hobby is fucking porn and you spend seven grand a year on porn. You might have, let's say, a small percentage of the population, maybe 10% of the population, but they spend 10 to 20% of their budget on it. And now you have a massive billion dollar industry. Yeah, that's it. So I think that's how it's working out. Like there's probably a lot of guys and a lot of people have fucking tons of money that you don't even realize. Yeah. The, the guy that you think is broke is sitting on a stash sometimes. And that's the dude who has a fucking online AI girlfriend that costs 800 bucks a month. 
<laughs> you know, did you ever see these specials on like dating in Japan? And like every dude has like some weird Tamagotchi girlfriend. Oh, no, boy. but similar stuff. I've seen some stuff. Yeah. It's like the movie Her. I'm afraid that's where we're going to. You ever see Her? No. Yeah. You should watch it. It's about an advanced like AI software and it kind of falls in love with like it's just creepy. But I see that's where we're headed in the future. It just says everything so that you I think want of, them okay, to say. So at what point does the intelligence cease to be artificial and become actual intelligence? Artificial intelligence is saying essentially that it's not comparable to your intelligence now at what point does any kind of being become self-aware and conscious and then at what point then does your ai become just another intelligence and i think about this a lot too anything that you make is essentially a weird part of nature making it yeah like you still have to you want a chip for something that thing comes out of the earth Right. Yes, you're making electromagnetism to create things, but electromagnetism is one of the main forces that drive our reality. So, yeah. So I wonder, with all those things being taken into account, when is it like Transformers, that AI, those Autobots, right? They were once AI, and then they became sentient, self-aware, and then now they're no longer artificial intelligence. They're just a, a robotic intelligence. They're their own intelligence now. So I wonder at what point that happens and then things become really interesting. Yeah, we end up like Blade Runner. We don't know what's real, if we're real. If we're real. Well, reality is an interesting concept too Yeah. because depending on how you would think reality is put together, real is a pretty subjective term. So I'd like to think what's more accurate because even if like the world is a hologram or a dream or any of those things that could make it what you would say is not real, what's accurate, right? That in whatever state this is, you're experiencing some type of interaction in this manner, these type of stimuluses. So there is, if I'm not looking for reality, I'm looking for some type of accuracy, yeah. if I can, yeah. because it's going to be hard. We could be inside one cell of a huge organism. Yeah. I always felt that way, like the marble in Men in Black, right? And it's just like galaxy within galaxy yeah. within galaxy. And it's just like, so, you know, I closely follow the Norse pagan cosmology. I, I, while I'm pagan and I can venerate any deity I wish to, right? I, I praise all the gods. I closely follow the Odinic path. So Odin being the head of the Norse pantheon of gods, like the Viking pantheon, and Odin is a god of transformational experiences. <laughs> so through my patronage to him is how I like to go through my life, right? All these different transformational experiences, you know, starting not just with, you know, Fat John, but all those things. I <laughs> fight for 10 years, came back, and the Norse cosmology is very well defined. So Odin, he does several things for wisdom, right? In order for his transformation from a mortal into a god. And even if you make him always a god, he wasn't always the head of the pantheon. So the head of the pantheon in Germanic paganism was probably Thor or Tar. Odin, the Romans equate as Mercury. This is maybe a thousand years before um, the Viking era. So the Romans, when they met the Germans, 
all these gods are there, right? The German gods and the Viking gods are the same with a little bit different names, kind of like how the Roman and Greek gods are. Mm. So when the Romans encounter Odin first, he they equate him to the god Mercury. Mercury, because Mercury is a psychopod. He's a god of death, right? He ferries spirits to the underworld. Odin, the only deity who is a head of the pantheon that is also a psychopod, a god of the dead. So I worship a god of death. Death being the most transformational experience, right? Hmm. Probably birth too, birth also. I'd have to imagine death though, because you don't really remember before birth. And we kind of remember this experience. So death would have to be the most transformational from what your experience is now. Hmm. So in Norse cosmology, there's a tree, Yggdrasil. And Odin's first quest is he has to find the runes, the letters, right? I don't know if ah, fuck, you can't see that. I'll show you my fucking quad. Can you see, like, the runes? Oh. So, the runes is the language system. Really, our alphabet comes from runes, too. There's a Proto-Indo-European language that all these languages come from. So, English would be a Proto, comes from a Proto-Indo-European language, Latin as well. So, you'll see the same letter pattern. So, Odin's first quest is uh, he goes to seek the runes. And how he does that is he hangs himself on Yggdrasil, the world tree, the tree of life, right? Very common motif. Uh, Many mythologies have a tree of life motif. When he hangs himself on the world tree, right? He cuts himself with a spear, sacrifices himself to himself, a very uh, Jesus-like myth, right? You can see how these myths are very common. So for nine days and nine nights, Odin hangs on the world tree, Yggdrasil. And on this tree, so the tree of Drasil is a metaphor for the spiritual tree that goes throughout every single point of existence, every dimension, every universe, from all directions into all dimensions. No man knows where off the roots of the tree of Drasil run. Every single thing is given an expression on the world tree. Everything, everything you do gets another expression, another dimension. So like that decision you made this morning whether to like stay in bed or get up, well, that's a branch in the world tree. And there's a full expression of what happens in every dimension of every universe of every single decision you make. So Odin rides the world tree. Yggdrasil translates as Odin's steed. If you ever do, everyone familiar with like Kabbalah, they do this too, pathworking. Am I getting a little deep? No, that's all right. Okay. So pathworking through the world tree when he hangs himself upon the tree of the cosmos, right? He has a symbolic death, right? This is very important for the hero's journey. He dies. And when he does, he sees the runes. And when he grabs them, he masters them. And they become part of his being. And he gives those runes to the people of Europe, would be the right the mythology. Is that that's where all our language comes from. Odin's sacrifice for the runes. But each rune is also a magical symbol of power. So one symbol could be for strength, one for love. And Odin knows 18 powerful charms for protection, success in battle, lovemaking, healing, and of course, the power to bring back the dead. And then he, you know, part of following the Odinic path is working through the world tree and gaining the essence of the power of those runes and then trying to manifest those things the way for me the way the universe wants me to so i'm pretty open to how the universe wants me to act and thank the gods it's been working out okay i remember you told me a story 
about how when you fought in Bellator last, you brought like Thor's hammer and they weren't going to let you bring it. But you said it was part of your religion, correct? Which is the fucking truth. So I made a promise to my gods because when I fought, okay, so I didn't fight for 10 years and I had a CrossFit gym. It went south. You know, it went good for a few years. I had like four good years. It went south. I went bankrupt. I had a rough time. And and you know what? Odin was like, am I a god of merchants or a god of warriors? He's like, you're not doing the right thing out here. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, take me where you want me to go and I'll do the things you need me to do. I wind up doing the North American championships after not competing for like fucking five, six years. And I won. I was like, oh, maybe I'm okay. <laughs> Then I started sparring. This is 2017. So maybe about six months after my gym closes, I was like, you know what? I just want to train again. You know, I almost killed myself. Luckily, Odin stayed my hand and I didn't. And I was like, you know what? Let me just get back to training and, and focus on that. And I, I competed and I was like, oh, I did okay. And then I was like, you know what? Let me start sparring again. It was like January. I went to my boy, James Gabriel. I was like, yeah, I want to start sparring again. And he was like, all right. I was like, hook me up with one of your boys. Listen, I haven't sparred in 10 years, right? Like for a fight. And, uh, you know, take a look. I did three two-minute rounds, and I was dying. Broke my nose. Fucking terrible time. Damn. I was like, all right, that's okay. I was like, we'll do this once a week for a month. I was like, then we'll do twice a week, and we'll build it up. He's like, all right, whatever, man. And uh, I told the kid, Vinny, I was like, listen, I know you kicked my ass today. He's like 22. And at the time, I think I was 38. I was like, but in six months, I'll be whooping your ass. He's like, yeah, all right, old man. (laughs) In six months, I was was whooping his ass. But, dude, on the ground, whoop his ass. And on stand-up, there was a... Only Muay Thai fighter. And we would do just stand-up rounds. I'd be fine. I was like, all right, boom. I was like, you know what? I think I want to fight again. I had a guy I was training at the time, a lawyer. And I was like, yo, why don't you manage me? Get me a fight. You know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right. I was like, I trust you. You know how to look at contracts. I was supposed to get a fight at like King of the Cage. It's a smaller show. And the matchmaker for that winds up, they needed a match for Bellator at Mohegan Sun. So after 10 years, I didn't fight. This is 10 years I haven't fought. I had a shoulder injury at a gym. Didn't fight for 10 years. My first fight back, I think I was 38. He's at Bellator at Mohegan Sun, 10,000 people. I'm fighting at 155 because that's what the lightest weight was when I used used to fight. 155 now, though, that dude was like 185 come time Mm. of the fight. And this guy was like a good wrestler, 25-year-old kid. And he was like undefeated. And I'm like, all right. I was like, fuck it. And I come out, <laughs> and the first kick, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me back this up. I was getting somewhere with the Odin part. The night before the fight, I'm in the woods of Mohegan Sun, right? And I'm praying to the gods. I'm like, I swear. I was like, give me the victory here. I was like, and, and I was like, I'll do the right thing. And Odin's like, no, you won't. I already know you. I was like, no, I'm, I swear. And I'm fucking, fight happens. First shot, he breaks my elbow with a kick shatters my elbow but i don't notice it all i picked up was the timing of the kick so when he threw it again i pick his leg up and i fucking crack him and now we're on the floor i took him down and i'm like man this is right where i want to be 15 seconds into the fight we dry i'm a black belt i'm way better on the ground than this guy i'm like i'm gonna fucking kill this dude now i'm on top of this dude fucking hammer fisting him elbow with him and i'm like thinking to myself man manimal you are so fucking good <laughs> it's like nothing and i'm fucking all over this dude and i got a little i went a little wild right he reverses me then the fight went south i took a nasty cut right in the eye doc stops the fight right <laughs> i'm like all right 
18 months later. So for 18 months, I'm trying to get another fight. Cause right after that fight, my wife is like, did you get it out of your system? I was like, no, I, I want to drop to 145. I was like, mm-hmm. that was the problem. I was like, you know, I ring rust, you know, I haven't traded. So I was supposed to fight like three other times. I made weight like twice. Finally, the garden card came up and everything just went perfect for that. And I, 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 you know, 18 months and I took a fight before that, which I don't know if it was a test from the gods. I was like, I just want to fight. I don't care if it's a Bellator. I just want to fight. And I got offered a fight for another promotion, Maverick. And I liked the opponent. I'd actually fight that guy again. That'd be, that was actually a good opponent they offered me, this guy, Thad Frick. But whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. I don't care that it's not the big show. And literally three days later, Bellator was like, nah, you're on the garden show. And I was like, oh, fuck. Now that I felt like now got real for me because I was like, oh, this is like my destiny because I always wanted to fight at the garden. And if I didn't have the 10 year layoff, I would have retired probably in like 2012, 2013 when all my other homies retired and MMA was illegal till 2016. Mm. So I was like, oh, I was like, Odin, I was like, oh, father, for the victory there, I will praise you every day, which I have. I was like, and when I, I was like, I'm going to bring the hammer out and fucking call out to Odin at the garden in front of 20,000 people. What an honor to the gods. I just felt really pious at that time. And I, I had been, you know, feeling growing in piety. I, I've been just doing my best to listen to the universe and think about what my gods want me to do. And, and I brought the hammer, I brought Mjolna. And so we're walking out. And when you fight, you get an athletic commissioner assigned to you. And he sticks with you the whole time, right? He's yep. like, he watches you pee, watches you shit, everything. So we're going out and he's like, what is that? I was like, Mjolnir, Thor's hammer. He's like, I don't think you can come out with that. I was like, oh, no, I can. I was like, so he goes on the, the mic. He's like, Kh. the walkie's like, Kh. he's like, Beneducci has a toy hammer he wants to come out with. <laughs> And the guy comes back at him. He's like, what? And I was like, tell him it's a religious symbol. And he shakes his head. He's like, Beneducci says it's a religious symbol. And there's silence for like 15 seconds. And he's like, whatever. (laughs) 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 Yes. I fucking came out. I was like, oh, I fucking was so hyped, bro. I mean, listen, at the Garden, Odin sent three Valkyries to check out the action so it's a big event you know hell yeah it's a big event at the garden and, and then- my steamroller who i train with he's a number 14th ranked lightweight he's for fuck he had a draw and a win and he's fighting again at the garden for ufc mm. i'm like yeah i'm like listen i broke the curse of the garden but he's like you know i set the standard he could set the pace I- there you go until I won at MSG, no law MMA fighter had won at the Garden. Huh. Oh, wow. So I'm the first law MMA fighter to break the curse of the Garden. And how did that fight go? Because I was interested. I love that you told the other story where you kind of lost and you had that confidence. Like, I'm the best. Like, I always want to know what's going on in the mind. Like, are they thinking that or not? Like, how did that fight go when you were in Bellator? Were you a little bit more humble? Oh, I, t- I remember telling myself, too, like, stay calm, like, stay relaxed. Like, you got it. You might have to do this for 15 minutes. I was a lot more polished, too, because I had been training for 18 months. So by the time I got there, I was essentially in camp for, like, a year and a half. Please. So when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm just, I'm good. Like, I'm ready to go. And, and was that the, is that the first time at 145? 
yeah, first time I fought at 45, okay. but I had made it before. Okay. But my fight had got canceled. Guy pulled out of the fight the day day of the weigh-ins. Gotcha. I had made 45. So I knew I could make it. But making it for the fight was tough. You yeah. know, it's, uh, I every pound you get down gets incrementally harder. So I got to 154 super easy. And then every pound after that was getting harder and harder. And then I got to like 149. And I was like, fuck, the weight's not coming off. I was like, I'm going to try to go to sleep. It was like 10 o'clock. I wake up in like an hour and a half and I'm like, fuck, I can't sleep. You know what? Let me try to cut the rest of the weight now. I'm up. I'm going to jump in the tub. I'll try to sweat it out. So I jump in the tub, fucking sweating balls, <laughs> sweating. I'm like, fuck. Half hour goes by. I'm like, all right, towel off. I taco up another hour. It's like two in the morning. I'm like, all right, I should be there. I fucking weigh myself. 148.8. Oh, oh my god! I was like, oh no! Now I'm fucking shitting. I'm like, oh fuck! Weigh-ins at 10 a.m. I'm like, oh fuck! This weight's not coming off. So I tell my boy, I'm like, yo, pick me up at 6 a.m. Weigh-ins are at 10. I'm gonna wear my vinyls. I put Albaline all over my body, hat, hoodie, and this is June 14th. So it's in the middle of June, and my wife's birthday. Also, by the way, so Oof. I followed her birthday. Thank God it went the right way. So I was like, yo, pick me up and just blast the heat, close the windows. It's an hour drive through the city. I'll cut some that way. I was like, and then we'll go down and I'll start. I'll go on the bike and I'll start doing my thing. So he's like, all right, we get in the car. I'm fucking hoodied up in the middle of the middle of something. It was like 90 degrees. He has the windows closed, blast. There's like 150 degrees in the car. And he's just wearing a tank top and like little short shorts and flip flops. <laughs> And, and we're like in a half hour in and I look over at him and he is dripping buckets of sweat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, if he's fucking hot. Now I'm like, oh fuck, I'm dying over here. We get to the spot, we park in the lot and I can't get out of the car. I start crawling out of the car and I'm laying in the parking lot. They're like, yo, you can't lay here. I'm like, fine. So I lay on the, on the curb and there's like four of the homeless dudes next to me. We're in midtown Manhattan. So four of the homeless dudes and me are just laying there 20 minutes. It starts to rain a little bit. The rain woke me up. I was like, all right. I go downstairs. I get on the bike for like an hour. And I'm like, all right, I think I should be there. We, I check my weight and point two over. So I'm like, fuck. And all my boys are like, yo, just take your underwear off. And I'm like, all right, when I get on stage. So I'm on stage. I get on stage. Public weigh-in, right? And I'm like fucking dying out here. And they put me on the scale. And it's like, boom, point two over. And so I just go to drop my drawers. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait. All the <laughs> photographers are in front. Look at me and shit. I'm just like, yo, they're like, we got to put the towel in front of you. So they put the towel in front of me. I drop my, my underwear. I step on. I'm looking at the fucking number. I'm like, and it was like, made it even. I was wow. like, oh, yes. Thank <laughs> God. I'm rethinking every single thing I ever drank and ate in my whole life. I was like, fuck, what about that time when I was eight and I ate that Pop-Tart sandwich? was <laughs> from peanut butter and Nutella and honey. And ugh, fuck, could have used that right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so like, I can't get back in the suit. Like, there's no way I could have done anything again. I was like, I yeah. can't get back in the finals. So yeah, that's so the worst part about it. That's why a token choke, no weight cut. Right? Like, mm. I'm like, yeah. Don't cut no weight. If you want to do a weird ass catch weight, I don't give a shit. You want to fight at 182, I don't care. Like, 
I'm like, agree to it. You guys are adults. I'm a freedom first guy. My first value is freedom, right? These guys are like, can we grapple bare chested? I was like, you know, I'm a freedom first guy. You can fucking grapple naked if you want. It's a 21 and up event. So don't do that shit at the kids event, but at the adult yeah. event, I don't give a fuck. You can suck a dick in the corner. <laughs> I'm going to do, hold on, Valentine's Day Massacre. After This is Halloween. So costume contest, twisted carnival, bring in the circus vibe. I got carnival games, like the test of strength. We're going to have some like regular carnival oh, games. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Yeah. But with like weed prizes. So like you win the test of strength, you get a free pre-roll, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Nice. So you you throw the dart at the balloon, right? It's uh, uh, edible. Yeah. You know, but so we'll do weed prizes for carnival games. Nice. I'm the ringmaster, <laughs> and he wears the best suits. So I wanted yeah. to ask you though: after this fight, you won. That was in 2019. Then 2020 is like COVID. What was the <laughs> impetus for you to start these token choke events? And I mean, the first one wanted... looked amazing. So tell me about that too. No, the gods are good to me. I just, you know, I never really had a great team. Before I've had a good team before, and I'm thankful for that. But man, my team fell together perfect, and I'm really fucking grateful because I got so I don't know, I don't think you met my girl Carrie, but she's my VP of marketing. So she did good work with the sponsors, and she has a friend who's in production, and the production guy, Rob, he's fucking awesome. Uh, he wound up setting up the stage, everything. You know, we work good together. He sees my vision. I understand what he's looking for. My video guy trains with us. You know Jeremy? Yeah. Jeremy. So Jeremy does our video. He's fucking A1. You know, the place we do it at, Siege, he runs the spot, does a good job. Everyone that comes through to help me, I'm just really grateful. My DJ, Chris B, I try to hook up the jiu-jitsu community. So really... I got to tell everyone, you got to fucking come and support because you're not just supporting me. I don't really need that much to survive. I could live barefoot in the fucking woods. Mm -hmm. I try to hook everyone up. So everyone that works with me, I'm really trying to elevate everyone's game. So like, you know, my main card, you know, I take care of them, right? We pay, we pay the main card then just to show, which no one really does give them a big commission on ticket sales. So I'm out there trying to do the right thing more so than anyone else. I know what it's like to compete. And I always told myself, I never do anything if it's going to be the same as other people. So mm -hmm. I never go in and do the thing and be scummy about it. Like everyone else. If I, if I'm going to do that, I don't need to fucking do it at all. I could just stop. You know what I mean? I don't need to do shit. I can live off very little, like I said. So when I do this, it has to be different. And we put an event together that was, Way different. Half cannabis festival, you know, half jujitsu event, all party vibe. You know, this time we're looking to bang it out even more. Costumes, co costume contest. We're working on the events. We've been putting out the matches. We'll be announcing our main cards. We got a lot of girl matches. All VIPs get a free pre-roll. Come on, you can't. I fucking hook it up. I am a the king of cannabis is a generous king. <laughs> I I love the mentality, especially what you said of if someone else could do it, then do it, right? You're doing it different, and that's what makes it special. If somebody wants to compete, what do they need to do? Uh, you can follow us two places, at Token Choke Challenge on Instagram, or you can hit me up at Manimal John. Just DM me. You could uh, The links are in our bio. I have a landing page for everything you need for sponsors, spectators. Spectator links are on Eventbrite. 
So we put on tickets on Eventbrite this time. You can buy VIP or general admission. If you want to compete, just DM me. I'll send you the fighter app. If you want to sponsor, hit me up. Sponsor deadline is Friday the 13th. Okay. So, and it takes a takes a lot of money to run a dope show. So I definitely couldn't do it without the help of all my sponsors, my big ones, high-end kings. Organically Connected came through for the last one big. Then uh, we're hooking up with some new ones this time. We got New York Pop Butter in, Buds and Bagels, Firebird Optics, Suplex Soap. Like I said, guys, it takes a lot to make this run. Stoned Apparitions. Shout out to all my sponsors. Oh, my God. God. Guys, if I missed you, if I missed you, I'm sorry. The Green Bean, Bazooka Packs. Yeah, I mean, listen, we had 10 vendors. Wow. So we set up like one side is like the jujitsu side, and then the other one is vendors, and then I section it off, and then a fighter area. Even something simple that's stupid, ample space for the guys to warm up. Mm-hmm. Like you think it's a given, but you know how many shows I've been to where they don't have a mat backstage to warm up. Really, oh, a smaller show. Bro, last competition I did, there was no mat. It was on hardwood floors. We're warming up on hardwood floors. Yeah, well, that, come on. What is it? <laughs> now? This is how I feel as a okay. What does it really take you to put a fifteen by fifteen foot mat there if you don't want to pay for one? I guarantee <clears> you. If you just put a post out and said, does anyone have some house mats I could borrow for warm-up space? Someone will lend you mats. Like I had a guy lend me a 15-foot by 10-foot that he had had in his garage, right? Okay. And then I had bought one and whatever. Okay. Listen, what does it really take for you to just provide something little like that? In the back area, I had a guy, one of my sponsors, pay to cater it. And we just put a couple of heroes back there, some fruits, some mangoes. Maybe it cost them, I don't even think it cost 150 bucks. But now it's not just the 30 competitors. What about the 30 other dudes you bring? You got 30 competitors. That means you got a corner man and everyone's trying to bring their own corner man. So you got 60 people back there throughout the day. And what? You They don't get to eat. They don't get water. You're corner men. They, they don't get shit. Trying to fucking make a better experience over here. And really, everyone got to get on board with it. Because whether you like it or not, you better fucking learn to love it. Because it's the best show in town. <laughs> it seems like that. It also seems like it's enjoyable for people that don't even know jujitsu. I try to hype it up. Yeah, I tried to hype it up. Like, people were like, wow, those matches were really exciting. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, yo, I mean... Don't get me wrong, we put together exciting matches, but I've seen exciting matches not get the the audience love. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll produce. You know, they're trying to hype it up. I'm like, guys, don't let them fucking fight in silence. Hype these guys up. Yeah. Oh, you know what we did? So, okay, unrelated to Token Choke. So I have a vision. I have an overarching brand, which is Manimal Media. That does the production services for all different events. So, like... Anoop, if you wanted, let's say, oh, I want to do an event where we do whatever, a live podcast, and I want lights and stage. I'm like, okay, we could set that up. It'll cost this much. I'll bring my crew. We'll bring video, camera, action. Boom. We'll talk about it. That would be like my overarching company. Right now, what we produce is my own event, Token Choke. And then we just produced another event. I got a partner, BJJ Superheroes. We're trying an under-21 event. Hmm. Oh, so we our over 21 event is token choke. Unrelated, like you know, HBO has shows that are for under 18 and for over 18. 
our under 21 offering, BJJ Superheroes, we did at his gym. He has a, a gym in Oyster Bay. He has a lot of kids. We did 24 matches. We brought a small setup. I did the announcing. I wore like a tiger print suit and no cursing, right? I TG animal, actually rated G. I, I was so rated G. I was extremely proud of myself. <laughs> so, and that went over really good. So I want to try to throw those also because it's tough because I get a lot of people that are like 18, 19, 17, and they want to do token choke. And I'm like, ah, you can't, you know, there's an over 21 event. I was like, but I'm going to work on it because there's no reason that I can't do, do both offerings. Right. I run a media company and yes, I happen to enjoy this. This is an adult offering. The kids show nothing to do with that. Right. At the kids show, you got sober animal, unfortunately, because then I am a little more aggressive. <laughs> I, I love that you're combining things that you love. You know, I think we do live in a more advanced world, so it's hard to say, I want to just do this. But if you could combine two things that are slightly related, you know, now you have a unique offering. And I think, and plus just for your own sanity and health, like you're going to have passion because you're doing something different. So I love that you, and you're bringing care about the fighters. I also love how you just brought up like, hey, why not ask somebody for the mat? Because sometimes it's like, what, what, what difficulty is it? You know, like, why are you being so scared? Why wouldn't you do that? It, what, what's the reason you don't want a warm-up mat that The price? Well, you don't even have to pay for one. We could figure this out. Honestly, I don't think it's the price. I think it's they just didn't think about it. But since okay, you're a yeah. fighter and you love the people and you care about the fighters, you probably thought about it. I'm like, okay, we need warm-up area. We, You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff I probably don't think about. But I think when it comes to the fighter experience... I'm like, shit, I did that combat jujitsu thing and they fucking put us 30 dudes in a 20 foot by 10 foot tent with one <laughs> mat for all of us to warm up in, in a hundred degrees in El Paso, Texas. And then you want me to perform my best. All right. Well, it's fucking tough. All right. I mean, I'm just trying to survive at that point. I cut weight. It's a million degrees. You know, we're fighting outside. It's 95 degrees outside. I'm like, all right, cool, but shit. I would have liked a little warm-up area to fucking stretch out, not 30 dudes on the mat. And look, you diminish the quality. Even if you're five and it's a good show. less of And that's a yeah. good show, right? Like yeah. once you got out of the warm-up area, the actual stage was nice. Nice mat space, nice walkout, good production value, right? And it's like, dude, you were an athlete. Eddie Bravo, right? You're an athlete, right? Is that how you Maybe you're like, oh, I don't give a fuck. But you know what? Maybe my corner man isn't looking to fucking suffer either. And maybe, you know, the if I was able to warm up a little more, chill, not sweat my balls off when I just had cut weight, you know, maybe you perform a little better. Exactly. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe the same thing. But you know yeah. what? At least let me be comfortable losing too. And if you, if you perform a little bit better, who knows? You get some crazy submission now that's content that could go viral you know what i mean and it's like well, hey, maybe you just like have a, a better match with a guy instead yeah. of looking flat instead of having guys look a little flat out there now you have guys a little more competitive and and the, the more com a quick win is cool and all but really people want to see competitive action right mm -hmm. that's what's compelling you want to see exchanges of good technique back and forth what does everyone like a come from behind victory, right? You want a compelling storyline in a match. 
Like, mm-hmm. even though it's not scripted, it's nice when the match tells a story. A little give and take, a little adversity, right? Some good technique. There, there's a story to be told with a match. And I'm I, I'm looking to do my best to match it up and then make guys feel good to go out there. I announce them well, right? I make them shine and, like, have a good time. Like, this is a good place to just do your thing and shine. It's not the world championships. You know, it's a fun event. It's for most guys in their hometown. Yeah. It's a great vibe. Once your match is done, you can get high, chill out. We try to have a nice co-ed mix. Someone was like, oh, there's a good amount of girls here for a jiu-jitsu event. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I like a co-ed vibe, personally. You know, I like to be pretty egalitarian. And uh, yeah, that's what makes it a good party vibe. Who the fuck wants to be around the Sausage Festival? I've been around enough Sausage Fest my whole life in martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's funny because one of my friends, he had a new girlfriend and he competed at Token Choke. And maybe like a month later, he had an MMA fight. And his girlfriend was like, your event was so much better. And this is a bigger MMA event, but it was like, you know, the fighter area was not sectioned off. So like the crowd just walks into where the fighters are, you know, and I'm like, yo, it cost me 50 bucks to get a curtain to separate the fighter area. Like you couldn't spend 50 bucks. Like she's lazy. Yes. You've been doing this show for fucking the guy who's been doing this show. Like you've been doing this show 10 years. You couldn't get a curtain. You do it at this mm-hmm. spot all the time. Separate the fucking fighter area. You know, the fighters don't want to be right there. It's annoying having the, the people walk up through there. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, like simple little things. Uh, it's nice to have a walkway. Yeah. A ramp to the, to the cage. It's like, guys, I just like simple shit. It's like, does it, I'm not asking for a lot of big things here. I, I love the mentality. I'm actually going to Dude, I got food trucks outside, food inside. How many events have you gone to where all they have is like the concession food? Mm-hmm. And it's like $12 bro. for bullshit. Like I, bro, yeah. bro we it's had Infusory Long Island. Shout out to my other sponsor, Infusory Long Island. Fed our staff, our competitors. You know, so I give my competitors, get a voucher for uh, free drinks and, and free food from you know, one of the vendors. So we had a taco nice. truck outside and then inside the infusory made empanadas, rice and beans, and some of it infused and then some of it not. So you could choose if you wanted high food or not. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now you could eat something, have a drink. It's like, dude, I don't want to be eating chicken fingers and fucking French fries and pretzels. I want to, yo, the taco truck was good. <laughs> he made a freaking cheeseburger macaroni taco. Oh, I was like, oh, this fucking guy. He was, and he was like, I killed it out here. I was like, yeah, you're freaking selling tacos to potheads. Yeah, you killed it. <laughs> Her. Uh, all these oh things. Oh my god, are, I was. All these things are such good. Like you're stimulating business, and like you said, you're helping everybody thrive. Like there's a quote I love living by: "A rising tide lifts all boats." You know, and it sounds like in this situation, you are that rising tide. So I hope to be that. I appreciate that. You know. I want to be that full, especially for Long Island, like for the cannabis and jujitsu scene. There's no reason we shouldn't be the top. And, you know, I'm looking to do to do this as a thing. You know, if we could do four token choke events a year and four to six BJJ superhero events a year, I was really nervous about doing the under 21. But you know what? That just requires a different animal. So that's PDG animal. That's okay. You know, I'm such a valuable thing. Once I did the first kids event, I was like, oh, this is so valuable to give these kids like showmanship, you know, because then I give them showmanship. No other tournament does that. 
I give him the shine, you know, the announcing. When I announce him, I mean, it's impressive. Come on. If you can't get Bruce Buffer, you got me. <laughs> you know, it's Michael Buffer. It's Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer, Manimal. That's that's the way I see it. I love it. Let us know however we could help you in terms of promoting stuff and promoting uh, well, your Listen, sponsors. if you could come down in person, I would love you to. I was gonna, but actually October 21st, I have a job interview in Seattle. Oh, shit. You're not going to be, okay. Well, that's if I If I was here, I would 100%. I told you I wanted to compete against like another blue belt. Like I wanted to do something. I figured that would have been fun. All right. Well, I will talk to you off air. You know, since you guys aren't going to be in town. I know you're in San Diego. San Diego, one of my favorite looking places, but one of my least favorite functioning places. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Oh, for a few reasons. First of all, New York's bad enough taxes and law-wise, and I think San Diego might be almost worse. Yeah, we're pretty rough. Uh, and then beautiful area, like the beach is gorgeous. But oh my God, it's like homeless city out there. It is. So you've been yeah. here pr- probably recently then? Uh, I was there right before the pandemic. Okay, yeah. It was still homeless city there, but I will tell you. It's gotten worse. Yeah, homeless dudes. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only saving grace I have sometimes is if I'm in the city, like working out, I look homeless. So I'll sometimes get money. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to end on one. I'll give you one story before we wrap. All right. Sure. And John, tell us that story. But also, can you tell us how you got the name Manimal? Hmm. Oh, yeah. So Battlefield nicknames, grappling with someone. Right. And we're going back and forth. And. My instructor at the time was Rodrigo Gracie. He's watching us grapple. And the dude has me in a choke. And I'm like, and I get out and I'm like, and I turn around, I get him in a choke. Fucking afterwards, Rodrigo's like, man, you're like a little man animal, like a little manimal. And my boys were around me. They're like, that's it. Manimal, that fits. Because before that, I was just crazy John. I was like, Manimal's so much better, especially nice. if it's your personality so well. I just, I was like, man, I almost could have rocked it harder sooner. Mm. But I, I love that nickname. It fits too, because I run barefoot, right? I do my bear crawls. I, you know, love being in the woods, smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. You're like me. You're a little hairy, you know, you got, hairy, that, like, yeah. you got it going for you. So what was that last story you wanted to share with us? So I'm jogging in the city. And, you know, I run barefoot. So I'm running barefoot through the streets. No shirt. And all I have is, like, my phone on me. I'm just fucking going for a jog, all sweaty and shit. And I'm on the corner waiting. And this homeless lady is like, excuse me, can I? Can you spare a dollar? Do you have any money? And I look at her, and I was like, and I, I, I like, fanned down to me. I was like, I don't have anything. And then she looks at me, and she's like, I have no shoes, and I'm all dirty and shit. <laughs> And she goes to give me a dollar. I was like, no, 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 I'm all right. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate it. I was like, thanks. (laughs) I loved talking to you, John. Manimal, you have such personality. You're intelligent, vocabulary, but you're also a beast on the mats and you fight and you're trying to uplift everybody. So a true renaissance man. I, I can totally respect that. Uh, thank you to Matt Gallo. He's uh, somebody we trained with as well. Oh, my God. Us. So I appreciate hey, that. Like, just... Matt, bro, Matt, I love Matt. He had a good match with this guy. I, the guy he fought was a killer, and he had a good match with him. But he got put to sleep, and I fucking roll him over on his side so he'll wake up. So Matt starts waking up, and he's like, 
And he gets up and he's like, what? What the fuck? I was like, you got put to sleep. I was like, is that the first time you've been put to sleep? And he's like, no, it's not. So I go on the mic and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, it's not even the first time for him. Was, <laughs> he's the music. But Matt's a good sport. He had a great match. You know, I'm happy he stepped up. That guy he fought, like I said, was a killer. Matt's a good guy, free spirit too. Yeah. So I'm a freedom first guy and he is too. So that's really important for me. So I have like a battle board with like all my values and shit. And I just try to make sure that the people I work with, if I want to have someone in my life a lot, they got to align with my values. Yeah. You know, if, if it's cursory, I don't care. But if we are in business together, man, you got to be a freedom first guy. Cause I know real quick shit could go South and there's going to be friction. If you don't mm-hmm. respect what it means to be a free person, right? Cause then you're going to look to do things against that. And I'd rather do nothing than be a slave, right? Mm-hmm. So, so once we're there, you know, we got our values in order. Comedy, I know it sounds silly, but comedy is a value for me. If I can't be busting your balls when shit goes really bad, we can't work together. Because the set, if shit's really bad, I would be cracking jokes, you know? So you got to be ready for it. You have to. I was I was at a funeral today. And, and it's interesting. I was like, there's something about being at a funeral where you see people you haven't seen in a while. So inevitably you laugh, you know, because you start reminiscing. And that laughter at a funeral is so healing. And I just think it's like something that's necessary. And I remember like it reminded me of when my first dog died, Cleo. And I was with my sister in the car and like we just put her to sleep, you know, and it was like five minutes and like we couldn't find parking and we had to like go get something. And then I was like, just tell the fucking cop our dog died, you know? And then my sister like started laughing and it was like, you know, the quicker you could do it, like you start fighting the battle, you know, of sadness and like overcoming. He'll understand, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree with you in terms of of comedy. That's when a man, that's one of the few times it's acceptable for a man to cry in public when his dog Mm -hmm. died. If you cry because your best dog died, chicks are like, he has a heart. Yeah. But you can't be like, oh, my God, one of my partners, this guy is so fucking emotional. He's always crying. And I'm just like, oh, God. So the, day <laughs> the kids event, yo, the day after the kids event, he's like, I'm so tired. I was like, yeah, you cried fucking seven times. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you literally had a fucking emotional breakdown. I was like, he's like, you're not tired? I was like, first of all, I'm having a manic episode. So, no, I'm not tired. I'm going to be up for four days. I was like. So no, I was like, in second, you cried seven times, dude. Like, what do you expect? Like, I know it was nice because listen, when you come and you transform someone's gym into an event space, it's hard for people to see what's in my brain come into reality. And it can't even, well, it's not in the reality I wanted to be in yet because my real vision is that we do the first event off the earth. Right. Oh man. Literally. We get like Virgin Galactic or something and they fly us out to the space station and we do three matches in zero gravity. So that's the big vision. So when guys are like, how big you want to be? How high? I was like, I want to get so high we leave the fucking earth. That's how fucking high I want to get. Dude, I Stay high, my friends. We got to end at that. I I love it. Yeah. All right. Best wishes, John. We'll be in touch. All right. I really appreciate it. All right, right, right on, on John. And then Have a good night, brother. Whenever you tag me in, we'll share these up. A lot of good stuff in here, guys. Thank you. All right, All right. right on. Have a good night, John. Good night, good night brother.
You're good. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.